Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to Rounding the Earth. My name is Liam Sturgis, and we have a very special discussion today. This is a roundtable-type discussion, but taking place during the time slot on Monday that usually is occupied by the RTE discussions with Matthew. So, I'm not going to do my usual long introduction. You might even say I've cut it down by 50%. So let's go ahead and introduce my co-host for this show, Matthew Crawford. How are you, Matthew? I'm well, thanks. How are you? I'm pretty well. Was that about 50% less than usual? <laughs> I, I don't even know. I, I, I didn't have my measuring tools out. Ah, dang. Well, um, speaking of... Well, I was so that was about to go very poorly. I was about to say speaking of tools and what I meant was in terms of like effective research and good communicator. I want to introduce uh, our, our guest, JJ Cooey. How are you, Jay? I'm good. Thanks for having me. Wow, that's funny. That's the best introduction I've had in a while. Um, <laughs> I hope I'm a tool. That would be great. Um, a useful, effective, a useful, effective, friendly tool <laughs> in, in, the, in the battle we're in yes absolutely thank you very much uh, well we're going to talk about some serious tools today <laughs> yeah, it seems <laughs> like that's the case work. indeed that uh, sounds like it is i, I I'm, I'm not going to name names i'm not i'm not going to i'm not going to connect tool and non-tool we'll just we'll just see how people sort this out but what are we doing here today, guys? This is, uh, as I mentioned, a bit of a different uh, change up here. We still have a roundtable planned for this week, but there's three of us on this RTE discussion page. So what's going on, Matthew? Why are we here? Well, I wanted to discuss uh, the Project Veritas video and circumstances um, with people who were, I don't know, who hadn't like formed part of uh, one of the cheerleading squads, like, you know, for or against or something like that. I don't know. Um, it, it felt like this Project uh, Veritas video came out. It was maybe the weirdest one that I've ever seen. And like, I'll, I'll say this. I know that I followed Project Veritas for years. I don't want to say followed it, not, not as, in, as in like I've watched all of their videos. I can't say that. Um, what, I, I followed them enough to know that, that they've won all their court cases, right? Yes. Um, whatever, like th they have a recipe they follow this recipe. They're not um, presenting things that don't happen, right? Uh, it, and and of course, there can always be something that sort of shifts in interpretation the way that something is presented, right? You de you, de you definitely never know a full story from any kind of a news program, and you shouldn't assume that you know a full story from a news program. But um, you know, it, it, it's clear that they haven't just been, you know presenting false information right yeah it's they not, haven't been making kind of... stuff up historically it seems and, and so because of that they have a certain type of fan they have a fan of high fidelity right that that's what that's what a lot of people are fans of when they think of project veritas and of course it is the right wing investigating the left wing and whereas traditional you know mainstream news uh appears to be the left wing investigating the right wing more often in political circumstances or that's the slant right so the people who want to see the other direction appreciate project veritas um provide some balance um <clears throat> on the other hand that doesn't necessarily mean that every circumstance is a complete story um i'm sure you guys have seen the cartoon i should have brought this up i just thought of it now you guys have probably seen that cartoon where you've got 
um, what looks like one person stabbing another in the shadow when it's exactly the reverse in reality, right? And, and of course, that can happen accidentally or on purpose, right? Sometimes you look at something and you get the wrong perspective. So now I, I, I'm not saying either way. However, um, I think that that what happened is we were given a glimpse and it was a glimpse that somebody wanted for us to see. And now there's a question. Is Project Veritas simply the tool? We have the word. That's the word of the day. <laughs> is Project Veritas simply the tool in this situation? Now, what we do know is that James O'Keefe has quickly been put on uh, a week of paid administrative leave or two weeks or something like that. He had recently fired the CFO, but the board has gone and rehired the CFO. That's my understanding. So that, that kind of brings us up to date a little bit on, on perhaps the internal politics, but that's what we know about the internal politics. So now who funds Project Veritas? You know, we may want to ask that question because if there is any kind of a, a bias or um, some sort of um, uh, a bias or a plan, and James O'Keefe didn't even necessarily have to know of this plan if there was one, but who is it who has been funding um, Project Veritas? Now, uh, I, I'm going to say this. I had not looked too closely into this previously, and I don't know if, if the answers that I'm about to give are perfectly correct, but um, they include like the, the Koch brothers. And I don't know if I'm saying that correctly. Sometimes K-O-C-H is Coke. Uh, sometimes it's, it's you know, Koch. I, I don't know. I'm just I've also heard just Cook, too. They just say Cook sometimes. Mm. I, I'm going to go with Koch uh, just because I think most people read it that way. So um, that's one. Uh, my understanding is Betsy DeVos crowd also. And the Betsy DeVos crowd, well, that's interesting. The, um uh, Betsy DeVos's brother is her brother Eric Prince. Yep. Okay. Why are their last names so different? Is, is that is that just from marriage? I see. Yeah, she married into the DeVos family. Okay. That's okay. Right. Yep. Uh, and they started Blackwater. Mm -hmm. Wow! Blackwater. I did yeah, not know correct. that. So, so I didn't know that Betsy DeVos's things or people or organizations were funding Project Veritas. Is that what you just said? Um, that's what it sounded like to me. Now I'm, I'm going to say this, um, you know, don't take this level of discussion at face at, uh, like as 100%. This is something that I was exchanging emails with somebody quickly this morning. I see. Well, but it is important. I think you bring up a, a real important issue is who does fund project Veritas. And if you can't look into it and see with some reasonable, transparency who those people are then we should already be scratching our heads right you know what what we see is an image of something that happened and um that image may appear complex but it may be that the, that is controlled complexity behind something else and and that's not an accusation but um blackwater is interesting to me because i was just having a conversation just a couple of weeks ago with john cullen we were talking about the las vegas shooting and it felt to me it felt to me like this was an event of significant global geopolitical proportions and that we were unraveling it as we had the conversation. 
it appeared that there was something like an assassination attempt on MBS and that MBS had dodged this assassination attempt, right? That all of the, the people being shot originally, it appears that somebody had tried to shoot rounds at gas tanks over by the stage. I think that was the original plan not to mow down people down at the stage. That was sort of a, well, if, if the first, you know, if the first attempt at creating a ruckus fails, we have a second one. And that there was a plan to possibly assassinate MBS as he was being ushered um, down an extrication route um, or exfiltration. And that that exfiltration plan would have been known. Right. And so all the guns in Stephen Paddock's room, right, when the, when the police cams go in, you do not see shell casings all over the ground. Over a thousand rounds fired, no shell casings. Right. And it appears from the outside that the window was broken was the room next door to his, not his. So um, what I think is that there was an assassination attempt on MBS, but that MBS knew about it ahead of time. Why would MBS know about it? Why would he not follow the exfiltration route out of the Four Seasons while all of this is going on and then be able to round up his aggressors later at the Marriott and uh, the murder of um, uh, Khashoggi? Is it Magal? I can't remember his first name. Mm -hmm. um, Magal Khashoggi or something like that. Um, you know, why was, he, why was he able to Houdini himself out of a situation where you know he he was the the target of a planned assassination during some sort of chaos event that would force an exfiltration scenario perhaps perhaps the assassins were set up themselves okay well who did mbs hire to you know he rounded up mbs when he consolidated power he rounded up all of his rivals all of these other princes and businessmen and ministers, and they were held up at the, um, uh, I don't want to say Marriott Riyadh, but Marriott owns the, um, uh, I can't remember the, na the name of the hotel. It was, it was the hotel, but it's, it's you know, it, it's got its name and then that company is owned by Marriott. Um, it held up in Riyadh and the reports were that Blackwater personnel were used to uh, interrogate and torture some of those people that MBS rounded up while it is that he requisitioned $200 billion from their bank accounts. Now, here's an interesting question. Is this, is MBS himself essentially a coup by two competing factions? And I, and I sometimes say the West, the West, the West. It could be that there are two factions in the West vying for control and that one of them was backing MBS and the other one of them was backing the other larger Saudi royal family. Now, our, what does this have to do with Project Veritas? Okay, well, if uh, so Project Veritas was apparently trained by Blackwater. They were trained in these techniques for, you know, going in and surveilling people and getting the story and whatever else may be involved. I don't know, but, you know, Blackwater, I'm sure that, that violence isn't their first course of action. Um, that's almost, that's almost never the case with anyone, right? Unless you are just a hitman, 
um, you are probably a tactical team of some sort. But Project, you know, Blackwater has apparently trained Project Veritas staff. That's part of the reason why Project Veritas is such an expensive project. Like they they have like a twenty million dollar year budget. So <clears throat> there's something there's something interesting, you know, going on here. Um, there, there's something interesting about Project Veritas and what their goals are. Now, my understanding is that that Blackwater is also uh, was founded or funded by Peter Thiel. Yeah, as far as I know, that was the original. He was one of the original founders of it back when it was still, you know, this portrayed as a semi-legitimate paramilitary organization that worked closely with the United States government. Then he was totally a... And now, of course, when that all kind of went south in Iraq, they have renamed to this XE, to this Z corporation, but it's still the same. It's the same corporation. Right. Um, and then I have different pieces of information that come together and uh, as a picture of Peter Thiel being behind the funding of Roundtable Media and the Global COVID Summit. And I'm not 100% on that. Uh, you know, I, I don't have uh, receipts as in literal. You know, I don't have anything on the books. Um, it was clear that people were trying not to tell me about that. Uh, an interesting and weird thing that went on is while I was there in Puerto Rico is that there was discussion of quote unquote Russian money from a previous project from within that group. So I'm, I'm trying to sit back and relax and think, you know, why would, uh, you know, would there be any kind of connection between, you know, possibly Peter Thiel and Russian money or, or, but, but that, that may have been something completely separate. So I'll say that. No assumption that it necessarily um, is, is part of the same thing. But having said that, having gone back, <clears throat> and it's not a complete big picture at all, but it's enough to make us ask, right, is there an attempt to steer the medical freedom movement, for lack of a better term? I don't care if people want to tell me there's no movement, right? course you know like uh, you can put boundaries or not boundaries on anything right it's a convenient term that's all i'm going to use it as is there an attempt to steer the people who would be involved in the medical freedom movement um to the benefit of people who have certain interests in this grand play whatever that grand play may happen to be and i'm 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 being careful not to say good guys bad guys or anything like that, because all of this is clearly at complex enough a level that I don't I don't think that those are the right terms. I I, I think that that what we have is you know, and, and I have felt this way in on an intuitive level. I said uh, three years ago that we we are at the beginning of a world war, but it is a global civil war. That is always what I've referred to it as because I could see that it was going on in every major nation in a different way and that it felt like um that it felt like everybody was struggling with something that was somewhat the same so you know that's my model of the situation and i i i don't necessarily know you know who who the people are on the top of you know one place or another so 
<clears throat> now, stepping back for a moment, uh, the Project Veritas presentation, it felt like something to some of us, at least, where we should not, we shouldn't just like accept what we saw for some reason. And I think that that many of us stopped. Um, and by and JJ, I don't know if you know this, but I, I got um, I got a phone call from Brett Weinstein um, the morning after the video. Nice. <clears throat> and and um, and he said, you know, it, doesn't it feel like there's something, you know, it, or I can't remember what he said. I can't remember what his words were. I had literally just woken up. I woke up like five seconds before the phone rang. So, you know, I, I wasn't in uh, my best space, but he said, you know, what do you make of this? And I said, um, and I said, you know, my first thought is cognitive warfare. And he said, okay. And, and I, I can't remember exactly what was said, but we had a conversation and it was basically, he had some instinct. I had some instinct not to, not to view this on face value immediately, right? Like let's be cautious because there are elements of this that look different. So what looked different? What looked different to you, JJ? Um, so you've hinted on a few things already here that I think are really important for everybody to notice. Um, the first one is, is that the entire release of the data, if you want to call it data, the release of whatever media collection of evidence, whatever you want to call it, but the release was titrated. So if you had earth-shattering evidence that Hunter Biden's laptop proves that Joe Biden is a six-legged arthropod underneath a skin suit, then you wouldn't release that evidence piecemeal over short videos to try and get maximum clicks, but you would develop the whole story and get somebody like the New York Times to do a full issue on it or, or like it would be something that you would guard and, and release as controlled as possible. But instead, it really felt like purposeful, out of control rumors were generated and allowed to propagate. Like here, here's one arthropod leg with a little sexy lingerie yeah, on it. Yeah, right, exactly. And that's another thing that hit me. Um, and I hope that I can say this with enough tact and, and purpose so that people will not be able to misconstrue this as some kind of, of hillbilly bigotry or whatever you would like it to be. But I have been in, and you guys have been in professional circles for a long time. And unless something has drastically changed from when I was in a professional circle, it is very uncommon, very uncommon for anyone's for anyone's sexuality to be so apparent and this caused alarm for me because again i get it, it's a date and all this other stuff but in general it is the inclusion of this in the titration of the message that triggers me because we are that is in our face as opposed to being something that they would try to minimize as a way to make sure not to confuse anybody about the message that they are trying to send, which is, you know, this coordinated effort of various companies to bamboozle us about a shot. But right. instead, none of these distractions are minimized, but they seem to be amplified almost on purpose. And now it, it, somebody could argue this identity politics thing is being amplified by him, 
by the person who's sitting in the by by uh, this Walker character. What, what's it's his a, name again? Jordan Tristan Walker. Jordan, yeah. thank you. But that's again why I feel like the this the second part of the titration where we see the confrontation in the coffee shop is it seems so ridiculous that somebody who is supposed to be sophisticated enough to be in a boardroom meeting worth hundreds of millions of dollars is not sophisticated enough to be in a coffee shop and just take his leave because that's what anybody that's what I would have done I certainly wouldn't have tried to fight back but I would have tried to get out of there as cool as possible and that wasn't on his radar at all even though again he's supposed to be a guy who can give a presentation in front of CEOs and COOs and 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 sit in that room and be at that professional level whereas you know to go off the handle like that doesn't really that doesn't really match up for me you know now on the other hand I do just want to say um the circles the perspective I've come from in a tremendously liberal, very pro um, non-heterosexuality. Like my, my point is I have met people who genuinely are that flamboyant. Um, now, that doesn't mean that in this instance it makes sense that he would have been so forwardly flamboyant. And then, as you're saying, have that almost be presented as an easy target to then easily defend mm -hmm. um it i wonder it's almost a similar um there's this in this interesting argument about anti-semitism where uh there was a policy decision made or an announcement made by um merrick garland the attorney general of the united states that received a lot of criticism and a a public pushback from the uh the institution was People are being anti-Semitic towards him because of his decision on this front. And most people that I saw pointed out, I didn't even know he was Jewish. What yeah, are you talking I, about? I, I just discovered that right now as you said it. Exactly. And and so uh, people, I think, uh, it like these are very difficult things socially to try to navigate around. Because I think most people aren't genuinely hateful or genuinely concerned overly about these individual quirks and so you then get this kind of suspicious dynamic where if you do have a character trait whether it's even real that can be used as a like a almost a trap uh right it's it's i don't see why someone wouldn't do that right uh, right and and it's one of those moments where where um you could have no bigotry at all uh against people who are gay and make fun of that and make fun right. of that reaction right um and 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 I would bet there were plenty of gay people who would make fun of that reaction, right? Uh, and, and I'm going to say this. I'm probably at the right age to make this particular observation. Uh, JJ may be as well. I think you're you're just a hair older than me, JJ. Um, but, uh, you know, I grew up, I whenever it was that reality TV was birthed in the 90s or whatever, like, you know, that, that's sort of a moment at which, first of all, I, I, I barely watched much TV after, I don't know, um, early high school, you know, just you, life gets busy and then you, you realize you don't miss it. <laughs> and so you hardly ever turn it on again. Um, <clears throat> but reality TV was being birthed. You can't avoid seeing some of it. 
you know, like you still have friends who are like, oh, did you see the latest episode of the blah, blah, blah? And I'm like, I didn't even know that there was a show called the blah, blah, blah. You know, then you see these clips, though. The clips from these shows make for good 30-second commercials, right? They make for great 30 seconds. You see drama, you see high emotions and, and whatever. I think I think that people younger than my age, uh, you know, younger than 45, have grown up too much seeing these meltdowns on TV, right? You put people in situations that are weird enough and high stress enough that it forces somebody's going to have a meltdown. Different people are going to have meltdowns at different times. They're going to move the pressure around. You know, they're, it's, it's probably, it probably is kind of like, um, uh, you know, the, the game maker, right? Uh, what, what is, what's the movie? Uh, Katniss. Everything. Oh yeah, the Hunger Games. Games. The Hunger Games, right, right. It, it, I mean, essentially, I haven't whole, seen any of those movies. I guess I got to watch them at some point. Well, you know, there's a game maker who who just manipulates the game. Like we're going to change things in order to get this reaction, right? There's probably somebody like that who has that job in reality TV. Okay, you know, this guy who seems like the least likely person to have a meltdown. Now let's make him have a meltdown, right? But whatever. People grow up seeing these meltdowns and thinking of this as ordinary. Whereas, you know, in his situation, you know, I think I think people older than myself, I would not expect anyone to have that meltdown that he had and that it has nothing to do with sexuality. You know, <laughs> like JJ said, you know, you, you don't know in a professional situation necessarily what people's sexuality are. Right. I mean, like. It, it, or, or much of anything. I mean, if somebody likes gray aliens versus reptilians, you just, that that's, it's not the conversation 99% of the time. And when it is, it just, it feels like, why are we going here? And, and, and just a quick note, I also have met plenty of people who are that flamboyant and not at all homosexual or, or bisexual. I know heterosexual people who just who who just have those similar traits. So the focus, I think, is what you're getting at is more the reaction he had, the big blow up, right? Yeah, I mean, it is, and it is the idea again. Remember that what we are supposed to be witnessing is someone who is at a very high executive level, somebody who is a a skilled professional. That is, again, I can't stress enough. If you're sitting, if it's different. If somebody says that they're a dean of a medical school, you would expect a certain level of professionalism that if somebody confronted that person with a video, their first reaction might not be to grab the device and try to break it, but might just be, I'm going to talk to my lawyer, excuse me, turn the camera off. And yeah. it is this level of this lack of professionalism that then undermines the idea that he is, you know, director of such and such for so-and-so. Right. Uh, you have tools. If you get to this point in life, you have tools. You have tools to rely on to solve problems long before the meltdown, right? I mean, and are we supposed to believe that this guy is just now confronting the idea that Pfizer and the person, the people that he works for might be controversially viewed by some people in the street? Like, it's really weird. Yeah. Um, I mean, yeah, there are people at this level who get out of a gunfight by saying, I'm going to write a book. I'm going to write a book. Yes, exactly. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> I couldn't so say that without reason. laughing. Sorry. Yeah, um, no, that's the reason why it, it bothers me. And so then what we have talked about thus far is all the 
extemporaneous shiny objects, loud noises, and distractions, and then you zero in on the content of the original drip, and you have all these convenient buzzwords in a in a two-drink combination, you know. The where, buzzword soup. Yeah, buzzword soup, where they get you to say gain of function and directed evolution and evolution of variance and yada, 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 and all these ideas in a in a sandwich of distraction. And so then the only thing that can possibly come out of a real short interpretation of this is, well, see, again, here they are covering it up, and this guy admitted it. Yeah. And it takes a real sophisticated person to have been paying attention long enough for this not to just be something, oh, just turn it off, change the channel. It's more of this again. And it is exacerbated by the fact that Veritas makes no attempt to objectify their reporting to divorce themselves from these distractions and shiny, shiny objects that are present in all the material that they make. And so that's really what I see. Right. And there was, um, uh, um, Liam, uh, you may have a better handle on this, or uh, one of you, um, the, the George Webb piece of the conversation, the, Bo the Boston Consulting Group. Yeah. Can one of you um, who, who knows that story well walk us through that now? Go ahead, take a shot, Liam, and I'll fill in anything I know. Yeah, so to be clear, this is very much just taking a shot because uh, I did take a different route in my own research. But as far as I understand, um, so George Webb, uh, a journalist um, who often has very unique uh, lines of research, um, he had come forward, uh, I guess he had three or four sleepless nights where he dug up what he thought was a much more interesting aspect of the story which is less so about Jordan Trishan Walker being a Pfizer guy and him actually being more of a Boston consulting group guy where he had discovered Jordan Tristan Walker's name on three or four uh, BCG publications, including if I understand correctly um, related to or responsible for the mass implementation of remdesivir as the standard of care in hospitals across the United States. Well, you can even make it a little simpler than that. You know, Mark Kulak has been doing a really good job of telling this story. And the reality is, is that there are lots of little separate opinions scattered throughout 2017, 18 and 19, where people list the possibility of a coronavirus pandemic and the possibility of a couple different things that might help and for some reason, people that are tied directly to the current narrative we are experiencing, they're all convinced, I guess independently, even the Boston Consulting Group is actually a new group of people that apparently was convinced that at the top of this list of potential therapeutics for a impending coronavirus pandemic would be remdesivir. And there isn't a lot of concrete scientific evidence for why these people would put remdesivir at the top of this list right <clears throat> and and just to be clear for anybody watching this was a drug that never solved a problem never so <clears throat> it's not as if what we had was a drug like hydroxychloroquine for instance that had solved 12 problems previously and we could match those problems with something that might be the most uh, likely uh, virus family to have an you know an emergence on a global level 
something like the coronaviruses. Um, it, it, it's not as if remdesivir had that history. It had a history of of, of just failure. You're killing about half of the people that they gave it to. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, high levels of side effects. It, 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 yeah. it, uh, so apparently uh, one of the highest problems with uh, COVID-19 is, is um, renal failure and remdesivir. Like people with a high level of renal failure are the most likely to die. From COVID nineteen, or it's it's like second on that comorbidity list of things that would complicate COVID nineteen, and remdesivir has a, has a side effect that causes renal failure. Right, like this is it, it's so out of out of the ballpark. I'm sure there's an MD that could explain to us why, in the context of diabetes, remdesivir is extra dangerous as well, for the same reason that they're already prone. Uh, they're they're already there at the verge of uh, kidney problems. Um, but yes, I think this is really key. Um, and it's interesting that that George Webb was the one who brought this up. And so the story goes, um, to finish Liam's start there, is that he sent these things to Veritas and tried to push them to push this story further, and they didn't really act on it, right? They might have, you said they published a post, but not a video or anything like that. And then right after that, um, O'Keefe is suspended. Not from Twitter, from Project Veritas, right? Right, from Project yeah, yeah. Veritas. Yes, correct. <clears throat> so that's interesting. So what does that suggest about what is not intended to be discussed? Who who may be trying to direct the conversation there at that point? Well, I would go so far as to say that people like Matthew and myself and everybody, that there's a lot of people who pushed back immediately, um, made it necessary. If we had all taken it, hook, line, and sinker, maybe there would have been no reason to fire O'Keefe. Maybe there would have been no reason for the for the for the show to continue in that direction. That's me completely, completely speculating here. But my guess is is that it didn't it didn't land like they hoped it would land. And so they're still trying to generate this this idea that maybe what was reported was real. And and that we still haven't gotten to, but the biology that he reported in my mind is also a, a a series of shell games that's being played with these terms so that the public doesn't adequately understand that directed evolution is an entirely different thing than gain of function. And yeah, and you know, I, I'm actually gonna stop right there. So um what, what I'm gonna say is like before we before we get into whether or not any one of these things like gain a function and and like JJ, what you and I, the conversation that you and I have about this is clearly misunderstood by almost everyone because of the way gain of function, like I mean, maybe, maybe you know, like gain of function compared to a viral swarm and gain of function compared to a a um you know uh, infectious clone that would be a short-term bioweapon type situation it is a different thing and because of that it's a confusing conversation i'm going to say this none of these terms on their own are like false in the discussion right all of them belong there what i think what i think that we're actually facing here is the use of terms that can all be confusing a little bit and that people aren't talking about well so they are confusing and that, that whatever else is wrong with this, it's more like a sin of omission and using the level of confusion that has already welled up 
against people who are trying to push back themselves. Right. Essentially, it is like the the real truths intersect in such a way that as long as they are main the 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 falsehoods are maintained, then no one is actually right. We are right about certain things and wrong about other things, and then those people are right about certain things and wrong about other things, and it's until that 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 incongruence is cleared up or until we come upon a hypothesis that clears that incongruence up that we start to escape and i think that's where a lot of people are trapped because they don't understand the biology that would tell them no that doesn't work and these but, don't work but but jj didn't you hear robert malone say he has no problem at all with the biology as was presented yeah right exactly no problem so we must be wrong mm -hmm. That's great. Well, and 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 again, he can have no problem with something, and and it may be a piece of the larger picture, right? And 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 let's be clear, there wasn't enough said to like find something wrong with it on a complaint. No, not at all. Right? No, because he said general things like you know we drive cars at Pfizer, and we also use pencils there, and so to throw down something like we use directed evolution, it could mean a million things. Yeah, the Pfizer, sure. Pfizer employees drive cars and cars kill people all the time. Therefore, Pfizer <laughs> kills people with cars. That may be a reasonable comparison. Okay. I, I, I'm going to introduce a new element to an instinctual observation that I've had. Uh oh. So, you know how the first time you have a conversation about a complicated topic, whether or not you're trying to impress the man or woman across from you at, at the at the dining table on a date. Um, guy, uh, it's been so long since I've been on a first date that that I, I'm, I'm trying, like uh, it, we're going back 25 years almost. Um, the first time you have a conversation about something complex, you never sound as good as you do when you've had that conversation a dozen times before. The conversation that you pull out in that situation is not the one usually where you are ponderous about a topic. Now, okay, I, I, like I understand his, his, going, position, his position at the company, I guess, it, it, maybe you could say he, he's supposed to know about these things, but you know what? Not really. He's a business guy. I mean, sure, he, he may have, you know, pulled together pieces of information about what's going on with, you know, the, the possibility of directed evolution, whatever's going on. However, it is that that maybe uh, uh, potential um, purified viral clone genomes are selected for weaponization to be able to toss out into the public one at a time. However, that happens. Maybe directed evolution is a piece of the process. Maybe it's being used in a way that, that isn't the way we're used to reading it in a scientific paper. I'm just I'm, I'm basically saying let's let's not get into the weeds on that conversation, right? I'm I'm actually wondering if he was groomed for months to have this conversation, as in there is a there is more of an infiltration than we even know where somebody patted him on the head every time these words came out of his mouth until he was primed to go on this date. And 
as I say that, I know that it is fully speculative, and yet I, I, I would be lying if I didn't say I had some weird instinct about it that is so hard to put my finger on. That it's I'll put it on. I'll put my finger on it. I've never thought he was an actor. Exactly. I've never yeah. thought he was an actor, and I've never said that. And I agree with you 100% that he thought he was talking the truth. Right, absolutely. I never saw a liar. I never saw an actor, and I've never he said He thought he was talking the truth. At the same time, it's clear that he does not know enough. Exactly. To exactly. What he's talking exactly. About. We agree 100%. We agree 100%. Go ahead. Keep going. I didn't mean to interrupt. I, I, I think that's it. I, I and, and I'm so glad that you that you brought in that piece that you never thought he was an actor. I didn't either. What I thought was this is a person, this is their natural reactions to meltdown. This is somebody who grew up watching reality TV. This is this is a person who is in a boardroom who is not a 160 IQ Yale graduate. This is this is that guy who was chosen to be the guy who makes calls on the phone and talks to people. That that's and that would mean that the Boston group is full of people who are operatives that are that did this on purpose to him. That's what he would see then. Well, that's sort of the role of the think tank, isn't it? Is yeah. to sort of decide the movement of how their sector of the world works. So I don't even think that's I've too said much this a lot though. I mean, if you got a room, a secret meeting together, and the presenter and half of the people in the room were completely in on what they wanted to fool the other half in the room to believe, mm -hmm. it would be impossible to escape. You could fool anybody of anything. If there were people that were planted in the audience that presented you know, alternative interpretations that got knocked down by the speaker and they came to an agreement with the speaker, you'd be stuck. You would be lost. You would never get out of that trap. And that's what they've done to us. I think it's brilliant, dude. I'm so happy that you saw the same thing that I did. He was a victim. There's no question that he was a victim of an elaborate con. And it's it's incredible because it is his his use of those words with no and there was obviously no understanding behind them because he would not have used them so interchangeably if he understood the difference. You see, this is like that guy who works for Google, who is not who is not um, capable enough to work on you know Deep Earth or something like that. But he's led in. He's led into the uh, conversations once in a while with the inner circle, and all he does is know how to repeat, right? And 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 unbeknownst to him, that's actually his job. Mm -hmm. The most important thing that he can do for the company is to be a person who parrots what they're told from the inner circle. And once the inner circle knows this, they know what to program him to say, whether or not it's true. I, I love it, dude. I love it. Is, this is the new Lysenkoism. This is the new Lysenkoism, and this is how it spreads. Right. I 100% agree with you. And I think I, I, there's 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 little doubt in my mind that several several different people have come to me over the course of the pandemic to try and explain this aspect of their experience, that they were contacted by a, some people and made to feel like they were being let in on something and that being let in on something made them part of a group. And so it empowered them to not doubt the information that they were given. Bingo. <clears throat> Indeed. What is, yeah. what is Lysenkoism? 
Okay, uh, there was a, a this is a nice story. You're going to have a lot of reading to do after this. That's funny. <laughs> <laughs> and, and, and you know, like, um, and, and JJ, do you know this story well? Because I can, I can talk about it. No, go but, ahead. I'll see, but I'm not very good at it either. It's complicated. Okay, now I, I can't remember if uh, Lysenko Lysenko was a Soviet scientist Soviet and, geneticist of some kind or a heritage studying heritability yeah yeah studying yeah and, and, and so he he was within the realm of genetics i think he may have been doing plant science specifically mm -hmm. and, yeah he was working on crops that's correct and, and he went down this route that was it was um some sort of a narcissism going on right where where he either where he either didn't know how much he didn't know or he had to play along that his previous ideas were correct long after he knew that they weren't but he was high enough respected you know he could talk the lingo right and he could talk the lingo to the politicians directly and fool them and because of that he had great respect and was given authority long after his experiments were failing and so what you wound up with was a huge portion of really important Soviet science going down this path of sort of uh, of this complex narcissism because of the pressure of the communist society, right? The pressure, whatever those things were, it created this uniquely narcissistic anti-science science. And this would be the science. I think like yeah. Lysenkoism is exactly what the science is. Yeah. And that's why it's so concerning, right? right? Like this cuts off human progress. And, and the Soviet Union, literally, this guy had to die before the Soviet Union got back on track in an entire fields of science. And so Lysenkoism is that it is, it is one of the toughest traps for civilization to push its way out of. You know, it, it is the kind of trap where, you know, billions of dollars can be wasted, maybe trillions, where people can be, you know, where people can die, where you can have non-solutions, where solutions would have existed. You know, it, it, it's all kinds of bad. I think that um, we have several new versions of Lysenkoism. I think that that it is being constructed by power players who don't realize... Who, Either they realize that they're stopping science or they don't realize it and it's just all clumsy. It's it's really hard to know. But, you know, we, we were talking a moment ago about think tanks, right? The idea that science would be steered by think tanks, by people thinking in terms of political strategy. Already, yep. you have the potential to push Lysenkoism, you know, to, to instill versions of it into society, into, you know, the laboratories into the academic institutions in a way that is just frightening. And, and, you know, I'm, I'm actually going to mention a person that I know it, it, that I've had conversations with online that has always sort of struck me as, is this what is going on? There's a guy named um, Will Wilkinson who used to write in libertarian circles. And I don't know who that is, that's funny. It, you do or don't? I do not know who that is. No. Oh, okay. Well, I mean, you know, there's a lot of people in the world, right? Yeah. <laughs> um, uh, this is a guy who um, he worked for a think tank called the Niskanen Center. I don't know if you've ever heard of that one. Nope. <clears throat> and there was a moment where he like he had some sort of dramatic rejection of like you know bleeding heart libertarianism. You know, there's a blog called Bleeding Heart Libertarianism, and he was like, you know, there are no bleeding heart li uh, libertarians, blah blah blah. Um, you know, this is this is all just nonsense. I'm leaving by. 
you know, and, and what happened was he left the Niskanen Center around that time, I think. And he, it, here's what he did when he left the Niskanen Center. Um, he went to study science fiction writing. Now, weirdly, weirdly over the years, I keep ever since, and that one's stuck in my head because that's a weird step to go from, I understand this was a guy who majored in philosophy in college. He majored in philosophy, wound up writing, by the way, for The Economist. And, and, when, and, and I interacted with him online several times. And I would like he would say things and I would just be like, wait, but this, this and this and all the people who understood economics would chime in. I was like, yeah, I think Matthew's right. Um, but this guy, he, he's, he's a philosophy major writing for The Economist, working for think tanks. And then he goes to study fiction writing. Right. Is this is this sort of like, OK, you know, we are in an era in which the think tanks are actually thinking in terms of writing scripts for reality to try to push people in certain directions or possibly they're narcissistic enough to think that they actually know what's going on even though these are the people like the, the woman who's the the head of the economist right now um she's somebody who like when you hear her speak like she passed herself on the back for taking some economics classes right she's not somebody who had a phd right and, and sure. yet and yet she goes and gives talks at princeton mm -hmm. You know, no, I, yeah. less less qualified than anyone teaching in the economics department, but this person's going to come and give a talk, right? Okay. Like it's it's nonsense mm -hmm. uh, on its face, and yet these are the people who ultimately make up the World Economic Forum. You know, think tank people who you know studied something philosophy or whatever or science fiction writing. Um. I, I feel like that's where we've gone and that these things are connected and they may have even been directed. It may yeah. even be that there are several powerful people behind pushing people into this sort of machinery. And somehow this seems related to what we just watched with project Veritas. Mm -hmm. Or project Veritas is a, is a, is a pretty exposed version of it if you if you and if you look at it the way that we're looking at it i think you can see it very clearly for what it is um i was going to say this already at the very beginning when you had done your original synopsis and i just want to say it now that i think we are getting glimpses into how the world is really ruled how the world is really governed and I think that part of the reality that everybody has to accept is that this system, however overt and obvious it wasn't in the 90s, was probably there in some form in the 90s. And it exists as a continuous presence up until now. It is not something that in 2019, Fauci made a few phone calls and now we all agree we're going we're gonna to collaborate on this. And uh, those are the people we need to find. This is a much more integrated, continuous mentor line. And I like this, this mentor chain idea of, you know, who did Kissinger mentor and who did this scientist mentor and who did this scientist mentor. And once you see that so many of the people that 
that are involved in this right now went through Baltimore's lab, have connections with Gallo and early AIDS and retroviral research, all of them do, that it there's a red thread there that has to be acknowledged. Once you realize how many of these people have been through alternative ways of getting to where they are in public health besides science, again, like you pointed out, that's another red thread that needs to be investigated. But we are seeing true glimpses into how the world has been governed for quite some time. And for many people, this clear vision is something that they almost want to deny. They don't want to, they don't want the full consequences to become apparent in their head, which is that it's been there much longer than they're willing to admit. And we are finally at the precipice of the conversation that I've been, I've been writing about it just a little bit. I've been talking about it just a little bit, but I haven't known how to present it. And that is the importance of what happened with a specific group within the military. There was a military think tank and a guy named Jim Channing in the 1970s who went and uh, went to California and studied all of these new age cults. And he came back with something that might be described as a governance philosophy. Right. And, and I, I and I'll go ahead and mention I've been on a couple of these dotting California. There are all of these people who, like, for whatever reason, you have some, you know, 52-year-old who has, like, you know, 80 acres of land, and he has a bunch of, you know, younger people living on the land with him, and he's like David Koresh to them, right? It's part of the reason why, like, the, the whole David Koresh story was itself um, kind of loony, because it was like, okay, the government was like justifying this by like, this guy is sort of crazy. He runs this compound with all these families and these kids and there's and there's weird sexual practices on there. Yeah, well, you can find a thousand of those in California. They're all over the place. But this guy, Jim Channing, and yeah, Jim Channing, um, he was the subject of the, um, the oh God, the dude, uh, what's his name? Uh, the actor, um, Jeff Bridges. Uh, Jim Channing is the character that Jeff Bridges plays, and that man is like was likely he he died in uh, I think uh, 2017. I think he was a clinical psychopath. He was a guy who um, he was brought into this think tank because he was studying um, like why it was that soldiers wouldn't shoot to kill. That only that literally only about one percent of soldiers would shoot to kill, and of course that's the psychopath. But who wouldn't understand why it is that most of the people who killed during wartime suffered trauma thereafter, right? The person who doesn't understand why is the psychopath. So he's the psychopath studying why it is there are non psychopaths. Well, he winds up going to California and realizing this sort of like guru governance circles within New Age. Right. And New Age provided this wonderful sort of like fluffy Lysenkoist ish non philosophy philosophy that that could it could dance and weave no matter how it is you criticized it. And these gurus were phenomenal at this. All they had to be was somebody with enough wealth to start a compound and just attractive enough, look successful enough to people. And that they would come to them by the dozens or you, you know, meet them and bring them in and sort of groom them into that position. So he takes this information back to the government think tanks and they bring in the research from the Stanford Research Institute, P 
people. And they realized that that Stanford Research Institute, I mean, some of these experiments were clearly nonsense, right? They, they took a nightclub magician who would bend spoons, which was a well-known magic trick, and literally convinced millions of people that this was psychic, you know, phenomena, right? And <laughs> there, there's something going on where you have governance by guru nonsense. And we need a word for this. We need a word for this because this right there, like literally from the 1970s onward, I believe that this was, and first of all, that, that what you hear about the Stargate project, this project that's been, that, that this new label, this recent label that's been applied to, I know, right? This, this new label that's been applied to like the remote viewing research and all of this stuff, where you look at the science, you look at the experiments, and they're clearly non-rigorous, right? To anybody who cares about what it means to conduct rigorous science. Um, <clears throat> I think that ultimately what is going on there is, is an, to, they look like they're studying paranormal phenomena. What they are studying is governance by guru nonsense. Mm. And that is actually what we are seeing applied here and by yeah. the way that that group that group has fingers that's no different than gain of function virology then too it's the same kind of oh i love you man i love you this is perfect we we need a word for wow. this wow uh, wow dude governance by aggressive nonsense you know and, and it but it relates to guruism right? You have to convince somebody that you have this guru and suddenly the science is settled when they speak, right? That's Lysenko. You have to have a thousand Lysenkos, one for every little nook and cranny of grant funding. And those people weave together the tapestry of the science and that's, and the public can't penetrate through that. Literally, it disarms people. No matter how ridiculous it gets, it keeps people from having a movement against everything because what they feel like is if we move against the fabric of science, all of civilization will come down. We won't yeah. have electricity if we argue that chat GTP is being manipulated behind the scenes. <laughs> right? I mean, it, it's that absurd, right? Because... Electricity was here before chat GTP, by the way. Yeah, yeah, by a couple of years. Um, we got Mark in the chat. Um, Houstonic says on Rumble, Matthew, please review the commission on integrates long-term strategy slash future security environment under Andrew Marshall in 1980s. I think that's supposed to say. Do you know hey, who's hey, Mark? Mark, um, if you want to come on tomorrow, if you have time to come on tomorrow at 1 p.m. Eastern, come on, let's just have the conversation. We like, do have something else planned in that time slot. Oh, but, do we? Oh, we yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, we got Art K coming back on. Um, but any other day, maybe the following week, actually, that would be incredible. Okay, okay. Monday. Okay. Um, okay, well, that, that just threw me for a loop because I thought tomorrow was open. Um, sorry, who do we have coming on tomorrow? Bart K. So when we were supposed to have both Bart and Gudrun on, and it didn't work out with Bart. Okay, um, okay, got it. Um, okay, so 
But I mean, what you're saying here, and I think that this is something that I really love, the idea of governance by aggressive nonsense. Um, because we can find individual examples of this all around in the pandemic. And I would go so far as to say that Elon Musk's Neuralink presentation is a perfect example. I would go so far as to say that a lot of the stuff that's on TWIV is a perfect example. I think aggressive nonsense, a, 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 an unreasonable level of certainty about things, even when you just changed your mind last week, now you're certain that you're right. And right, right, exactly. This is how this is how the the news can get away with you know being so wrong for two years and, and then going well okay we were wrong, and but mm -hmm. still look like the authority, right? And that's how who was the woman who gave that that you know that a non apology? Uh, what's her Emily Oster? Oh yes. yeah, 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 yeah. The pandemic um, amnesty in yeah right 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 the right. Atlantic no that's it right there yeah. that was the actual purpose of that Atlantic article. It was to express, but we're still the guru. Mm -hmm. And so no matter what it is that you think, what we say governs the commune or whatever, you know, the, the compound, whatever yeah. it is. This is what's going on on some level. I feel like this is a breakthrough in, in understanding the big picture. Um, you, you know who, who would be interesting to have a conversation with about this, J.J.? Uh, Brett Weinstein. I agree. Um, I agree completely. You, you want me to see if I can get him to have this conversation with us in eight days? Sure. I mean, I'm always up for it. You know that. Cool, cool. Okay. Well, I will see because because he has, he has been around edges of this at different times. And when I, I said to him on the phone, it just came out of my mouth. I said, I said, uh, governance by aggressive nonsense and that that clearly um he liked that phrase um that clearly fit with things that he's been thinking about so let me see if i can get him on okay um and, and you know going back to the men who stare with goats since you brought up that um that image and like th it, this is such a hard conversation to have because it is so goofy it's so weird Right. I mean, here you have this guy. He goes and he studies new age cult gurus in California, which was I think I think nobody even knew. Even the gurus themselves didn't even know that that had become a tapestry behind society. Right. Like each one of them has an incentive to remain invisible off the grid. While it is that he brings people in and and, you know, establishes this this thing that that they run but this one guy this military guy goes and ferrets them all out because he himself is interested in knowing the secret sauce behind it and what he does is he takes that secret sauce to the dod and they spend hundreds of millions of dollars studying it while making it look like research into paranormal phenomena I mean, if that's not aggressive nonsense right there, I don't know what is. Yep. <clears throat> and here, here you even have in 2004, you have a book. Four years later, you have a movie to make it look. I mean, this movie is aggressive nonsense. You take a very serious military 
intelligence operation and make it look like a bunch of guys were just insane. Yep. Just like Robert Malone says, the Ditra is in all the sharpest knives in the drawer. It's all the same. It's all the same. It's impressive. Um, he has said that so many times now, it almost hurts me when he says it. And it is it is really one of those things where, like, you worked for Ditra. How are you even saying that? Like, that doesn't even make sense. This is the highest levels of the internal workings of the U.S. government, and they're not the sharpest knives in the drawer. They right. are the gurus, though. They are the gurus. They are the gurus. Well, maybe, yeah. I, should, maybe, maybe I should invite Robert on. They are the gurus. They are maybe the ones. Maybe I should invite Robert in. on. They are the ones that present in those secret meetings and sit in the audience and agree with the guru that's presenting their aspect. And then they present their aspect and that guru agrees with them. It's one great big show. It's impressive. And we have governed by this. I love this idea, Matthew. It's wonderful. They know that saying something firmly and repeatedly over and over again makes it hard for people to break through. You can even tell people the truth about it and they still don't even know what to think. It's just, it's, it's, it's weird. It's outside of like, clearly this is going to be a difficult task, right? This will be a very difficult task. And let's remember, let's go back. Let's unwind the politics of this. Where did that program begin? Like I said, Stanford Research Institute, that that was going on in 1971. But the politics, you know, it, Trilateral Commission was founded in 1973, right? You've got David Rockefeller and um, Zebnev. I, I don't know how to say his first name. Oh, Burgess it's a big new. It's a big new Brzezinski, the right? Big new, thank you. It's a big new. Um, and, and they, so they found the, the Trilateral Commission. There was a third, and I can't remember who the third was sometimes referred to, but so that's 1973. Oh, sometimes Jimmy Carter is referred to as a co-founder. That's no, it. Right not there. a co-founder, but he, his, his entire administration, once he won was. No, no, hold on, hold on. He is listed in some documents as the co-founder. Oh, he interesting. Is. Yeah. So 1976, they get him elected and he brings in 12 members of the trilateral commission with him. Now, um, you know, going forward, you have trilateral commission all over presidential cabinets going forward. Um, clearly, they worked well together with Reagan and then Bush. I think that that really they worked well with George H.W. Bush and that the George H.W. Bush trilateral commission <laughs> dominated Ronald Reagan. And that Ronald Reagan might have even been their sort of actor, you know, front man, in a sense. Um you know, guru rule by aggressive nonsense. Um, uh, you know, uh, uh, you know, uh, Berzhezhinsky, by the way, um, he uh, he was the mentor of Barack Obama. Yes, he was. Um, and David Rockefeller was the mentor of Bill Clinton. Mm -hmm. Oh, what? Yeah, um, all there, all together in that one administration. What you have is literally. Seven presidents later uh, of of mentoring in that one space. So eight, eight, 32 years from 1976 or 1977 through 2009 for 32 Men years, all in the same room. Mentor chains. Did you can you say again what you said before you said? Uh, no, through 2016, 40, uh, 40 full who years. Is the, 
Who was the one you just mentioned? I had something to say, Cam, but just go ahead and play this. Maybe it'll Bush come back. Or Obama? Okay, go ahead. They're the ones who should be arresting, not me. Why don't you say that before? Good, sorry. What we got here? Cam, this is William Klein. He was wrecking an office. But I, I just wanted to meet them face to face. I, I wanted them to admit what they were doing. Who is they? He was in the office of the Trilateral Commission. Trilateral Commission? Yeah, the Trilateral Commission. <laughs> All right, what is the Trilateral Commission? It's an organization founded in 1973 by David Rockefeller to bring together business and political leaders from the United States, Europe, Japan, so they could work together for uh, better economic and political cooperation between their nations. And with that, that's what they'd like us to believe. But you see, what they're really up to is a scheme to plant their own loyal members in positions of power in this country, to work to erase national boundaries and create an international community, and in time, bring about a one-world government with David Rockefeller calling the shots. <laughs> I take it they're pressing charges? Yeah, well, uh, uh, he broke a globe and, uh, and some UNICEF artwork. Well, they're in on it, too. <laughs> we are, though. Okay, Mr. Klein, if you're just... I'm telling you, our whole way of life as we know it is in jeopardy. I appreciate that information. But I, 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 have, the, I have the documented evidence. It's all in there. Show him. Oh, he's got, um, got these magazines here. <laughs> Conspiracy Review. Suppressed Truth Roundup. <laughs> the whole master plan is exposed. Yeah, well, um... You're still not convinced, huh? <laughs> would, would you like to hear the names of just a few of the people who have been on the Trilateral Commission? Uh, not particularly. James Earl Carter. Heard of him? Look, Mr. Klein... Henry Kissinger. You heard of him? Walter Mondale. True. <laughs> Mr. Klein, this is John all... Anderson, George Bush. Now, you remember at the at the convention, everybody thought it was going to be Ford or Veep. You know what happened? David Rockefeller just picked up a phone, put in a call. Hey, Ronnie, forget Jerry, it's George. Bye. So, no matter who won in November, they had their man in the White House. Are you through? Yeah, I guess so. Okay. Just Listen, I, I, I'm, I'm sorry. I'm sorry for yelling. It's just, I get so agitated when I think about what they're doing. Try and relax now, Mr. Klein. You have a seat over there. You can give all this information to Sergeant Deacon. Okay. Thank you. Sit down. People can get on out of here. Thank you. Okay, go ahead. and. and, and uh, wait, that was real footage of me talking to my dad, by the way. That, yeah, that was... At the, end of that, at the end of this clip here, um, he says, it's something, something I believe you about the Trilateral Commission. Oh, my gosh, why? And he says, because I'm a member. Oh. <laughs> he lets him out. It's pretty funny. Anyway. Uh, this is fantastic. I mean, like, this is, um, you know, ultimately you have these laugh track jokes. But you have this conversation where there's actually no inner, there's no actual intellectual interaction about the conversation. There is, there is simply a cartoon exactly with laugh tracks mm -hmm. um and 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 there's no reason why this cartoon would necessarily be part of this particular show right there are literally like there's there's a billion there they're infinitely many permutations yeah it's just a show about cops it could be about pickpockets every night but instead it's about a guy who broke into the trilateral commission bingo yeah mm -hmm. um so 
I mean, that, that's interesting. It, 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 it's a fun little clip to watch, but it's a good example of, of the ability to, um, you know, to push the guru nonsense, right? To make that seem like a default presumed position. Um, hmm. Yeah, it's really a, it's a really interesting time that we're in because as, as people start to, you know, question one thing, it is always a, it, the attractor state that they inevitably are going to get sucked into is one that is completely different than where they are now. That's the reason why everybody resists so many different threads all the time, even if it's not the virus or the shot or the wokeness or the Epstein files or whatever, people resist all of these things because they end up funneling them into the same alternate attractor state, which is the government, the world is governed in a way that I'm not willing to accept. Right. So I don't even want to consider it. I don't want to consider the possibility that these are goofy, screwed up gurus who are not the sharpest knives in the drawer. They're like just the more... most aggressive and the most psychopathic and the most rich, right? That's it. Yeah, you have this marriage between the rich and the aggressive psychopaths. There mm -hmm. may be some overlap, but one way or another, um, you know, they each know how to choose each other. Yeah. Oh, I, I can't stress enough how I think your insight into this is, uh, th this has really been a great show because of that. I really think thinking of this as a general concept. So when you say, you know, governed by gurus, it doesn't matter what the guru is pushing as long as it's not related to reality. Mm. And so if you get people lost in Christianity in terms of, of, of um, what is it called? The prosperity doctrine and believing that if they, if they tithe to their church and they pray for their friends, that God will make them rich and they focus their life on that idea that's no that's no more that's just as effective governance as to get somebody to not believe in god and instead fear the viruses and take the vaccines it's the same level of complete dominance and control based on mythology i think it's beautiful because i'm not saying don't get me wrong i'm not saying that jesus is a mythology but i'm saying that Christianity and its many forms in America, a lot of it is guruism. It's it's people that aren't ultimately fostering a relationship between you and Christ, but between you and them and your pocketbook and them. And any Christian who really is a Christian will be able to see through those people. But there's lots of people who have it. And, and, and that's a great insight. A lot of people are worried that churches have been corrupted. And when you think about it, of course um, they have guru rule by aggressive nonsense is, should always be viewed as a temptation for any church leader, right? You can't possibly stand up in a pulpit and not know your ability to immediately turn on guru status. It's a right. temptation that, quite frankly, if if you or I were to get more popular and where we would like to be, that is a danger that will face all of us as we find ourselves talking into a camera to more and more people and seeing that create the waves that it does. Well, and, 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 and potentially true. potentially on a stage to the same number of people where you're getting the actual real-time human feedback. I think that is a very I'm, I'm personally not worried about it. I, I think I think I have some sort of a quality attribute where I'm anti-popular, where it's almost impossible for me to 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 
to like be popular in, in the sense that a guru can. Um, there is something about that. Like it, you're already it, a guru, Matt. You just don't know it. Uh, <laughs> you're just also oh, a curmudgeon. Right. I'm just kidding. What's that? I just said, you're just also a curmudgeon, but I was joking. <laughs> well, <laughs> I, I am sometimes, uh, I, and maybe that's part of it, but um, no, I, uh, I, I think that, um, I, I think maybe some people can play that game and some people can't. Uh, you have to be able to turn on a certain kind of charm, right? You have to be able to mesmerize an audience. Everybody's capable of that. I think there's also this aspect of, of mesmerization is correct, but you know, legitimate information sharing can also be mesmerizing. And that's the, that's the, the bamboozlement that happens here. A real teacher is mesmerizing. A real teacher is effective at getting you to understand things that are real, just like an effective guru is getting you to accept whatever that guru teaches it's the same kind of 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 charisma one is the legitimate application of teaching someone to fish and the other one is the legitimate uh, the illegitimate application of getting people fooled but it's the same skill in a lot of ways now now you bring that up and, and since we've been talking about dr malone and we've been talking about sort of this weird like this misunderstanding of biology, this, this, you know, guru of fake science. I was working on something that I just finished yesterday um, to do with the lipid nanoparticle uh, patents and this, this notion that the Canadian government is um, profiting from the shots. It's a, it's a whole long thing. And one of the things I was trying to address is this notion that Justin Trudeau owns 40% of Acuitas. And one of the threads that I had to pull on was Malone's contribution to that narrative. And I want to show you guys this clip and get your thoughts on it through the lens of what you just said, Jay, about mm -hmm. the teacher being both charismatic and teaching the man to fish. Let's take a look. There, there is uh, in Canada quite a bit of speculation that Justin Trudeau and his family's foundation holds 40% of acuitous. Acuitous is the uh, manufacturer of the catalytic lipids that are used by Pfizer and the formulation technology. It's privately held. Uh, so there, there appears that there may be a major financial conflict of interest on the part of uh, Mr. Trudeau. You gotta be kidding me. How long have you known this, Robert? Um, I have known that there was speculation uh, that this might be the case. Remember, I know, uh, um, Peter Cullis, uh, the academic at the University of British Columbia that gave rise to Acuitas. And I've spoken to him uh, over time, including over the last couple of years, a couple of times. Uh, I've known him professionally for decades. There, There is... So... Uh, but he doesn't actually provide proof. He's just talking around it as a speculative thing. And then I know this guy, so that's supposed to make you feel whoa, like... Whoa, whoa, whoa. But, but time out, time out. This was all over social media in 2020. Yeah. This was all over social media two and a half years ago. Tw well, 2021, I think, because it was as the shots were being rolled out. This is, in my, this is in my first set of notes. This is in my first set of notes. Um, when I had 300 pages of notes long before I had 20,000 pages of notes, like... Um, this has been known. What? 
What part? It's been known or it's been speculated for that long? Uh, that, that the Trudeau family had um, had a substantial okay. investment right, in right. the particle company. But, and and where did what's your understanding of the substantiation for that? I, I guess I don't know. Um, uh, I, 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 what I mean by that is that I have uh, articles in my notes file on this. So let's pull that thread later because if because maybe there is something you've seen that I haven't. But my point is I've looked and I've pulled as many of those threads as possible and found nothing except in this case, this came out after whatever you're referring to. But everyone I talk to and everyone that that brings this, you know, up in conversation basically refers to Malone here. But the point that Jay just made, he answers nothing. He provides nothing other than appealing to his character of being the founder or the, the inventor of the base technology that then was added on to by people like Peter Cullis. But you notice another thing that's interesting. Pierre Corey, he kind of. He, he almost seems a little annoyed at Robert, doesn't he? He said, almost seems like, hold on, how long this? have you known this? Like, why is this only coming up now? And maybe and then I'm he repeats. Injured. Then he repeats that I've known that there's been speculation for a yeah. while. Okay, okay, and 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 maybe it is that what I have in my notes is speculation because, like I said, you know, this isn't me doing a deep dive in 2020. This is me. Yeah. This is me taking notes on what I'm seeing pop up in my social media feeds. Right. And so, and granted, I have some I have, you know, people who do good research, but, um, you know, I may have just uh, linked an article. Well, so so maybe it is maybe it isn't substantiated where my brain goes with all of this, though, is. You know, it, you know, we have guru governance by by aggressive nonsense. Now, that doesn't mean you can't have a regime change. Even among come up with the best the best acronym for that. I just haven't gotten it yet. I know, I know. I keep looking for it too. Um, we'll talk about that. <laughs> um, you know, what you have is a situation where almost this, this almost serves as blackmail, right? Like Justin Trudeau, if he does have these investments, right? And we know of all these investments through many government figures in the companies that make the um the vaccine passport technologies, right? Uh, one of the families, was it the Quant family that was uh, one of Hitler's big supporters that ran uh, multiple, I think, of the concentration camps and and all kinds of other stuff. Um, it, we're investing in the Green Pass technology in the UK specifically. I mean, like, that that's not a little suspicious. But, you know, what it means is um, they're all in. If, if the story is true, if the story is true, then Justin Trudeau cannot ever let off the gas. Because if at any point in time he can be held in a trial, um, that that's real problematic. That's it's not just oh I've lost my power. It's I've lost my life. I'm I'm going to say I think this Trudeau thing is is a fake news story that was inserted into maybe 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 maybe. But he he's got he. So one way or another, one way or another though. Whether it's real or whether it's imaginary, what is that? What does it represent strategically? This is what it represents strategically. The history of war is not a whole bunch of people deciding to act together and then winning a battle. That's not reality. 
the history of warfare is people with swords to their backs. Right? You literally had your your ranking system was at least partially devised to have swords at people's backs. And this is why Frederick the Great was considered such a genius for, for uh, imagining and then creating a functioning system where you just had people taking orders according to signs that were that were posted up and they didn't necessarily have to have somebody, you know, at their back. Like it was literally people functioning like a clockwork machine. That was the purpose of the Prussian uh, educational model was to brainwash them, lobotomize them to the point that all that they were really doing was practicing loading their muskets faster. And then, you know, looking at the sign and they don't even get the relevance necessarily of what all is going on in combat. They're just participating as a cog, but ultimately most of warfare is, Knives to people's backs. There was a conquistador. I can't remember which one. Um, God, I'm such a mediocre historian. Uh, <laughs> it, uh, uh, he, he was the guy who um, landed his boats, turned around, burned the boats. Why? Because he figured they were going to lose the battle. I don't know. Was it was against the Aztecs? They were, it, 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 if they had an escape route, they were going to lose. If they could not retreat then his soldiers were enough to organize and win right you put them in a you cannot lose situation now you have a fighting force right all of these politicians have been coaxed into no lose situations what happens to um uh Justina Ardern what how do you say her name Jacinda yeah. Ardern I believe yeah, uh, you know, what happens to her if she loses? What happens to Justin Trudeau if he loses? What happens to each of these people who force the people that they govern into these situations? Will all of them be held to account and put in jail? That is exactly what people are screaming for on social media. So whether or not what Robert Malone said is true, we should view, we, and, and maybe we should look it up and find out. Maybe we should pull on that thread. Well, but Liam has that. been trying. Oh well, and and this is what's very important: the Canadian government does, and that is different than Justin Trudeau personally having it. And this is why I think this was an intentional misdirect, because the Canadian government does have. They were they. So I recommend people read the article because it's a very nuanced thing that I think was attempted to be made unnuanced and okay. everything you're saying, Matthew applies because okay. the Canadian government, uh, as far as I can tell, yeah. Oh yeah. They, they, they funded the creation of this entire line of patents and I'm in the process of acquiring what I believe will be receipts that, that are, yes, we receive royalty payments. That's the only part I don't have. That is so different than Justin Trudeau personally having ownership. But the result is the same. And I think everything you're saying applies regardless, you know, even if it is just the Canadian government with interest in the patents. So, so it'll be end up being that the Canadian government has a 40% controlling interest and the Trudeau family only has 5%. <laughs> <laughs> well, and, and so that's the other thing, because people are really pushing back on me in the chats. And if if this does exist, I'm not saying he doesn't. I'm saying no right. one has provided any substantiation. If mm -hmm. he does, that's an obvious overt 
like much bigger situation. But but I think we have to be careful because I do think these things in the information warfare context are used to then discredit what actually absolutely they are. And think about how crazy it would be if you had a 40 percent interest in that company and no one in government ever spoke out about it. Even the guys that spoke out about the truckers didn't speak out about this would be very odd. Mm. It would be so easy to demolish his candidacy if that was the case. It would be a one brick you know, done. Yeah. Um, okay. It, we've opened some interesting cans of worms today, but uh, I, I'm, I'm going to, there's, we could sit here and we could talk productively about this. It may be good to take a break um, to have some, you know, some further research and private conversations and also see who else we might be able to, um, ah, aggressive nonsense by guru rule. Oh, whoever Jaxaru is, you may you may have hit the nail on the head. Okay. Jaxaru. <laughs> um, so uh, let, let's uh, let's convene and um, but I mean we we're we're on to some we're on to a lot of things uh, collectively. Um, uh, th- th- this almost needs to be a club uh, <laughs> to, uh, bi-weekly. Uh, let's get together every Monday or Tuesday. Um, but no, I, I'll I'll contact you guys and we'll we'll. See if we can get one or two more people involved in this conversation and see what it is that we can continue to put together about all of this. Um, I, I, I have a person or two that I want to reach out to now that may have uh, interesting information or perspectives. And uh, anyhow, anyhow, we'll see. Hey, we'll see. I, I, I hate to interrupt. We got one more suggestion by my friend Futch on Locals. And I'm going to pull it up here. There you go. Oh yeah, gang is also nice. That's that's not too bad. We got anger and gang. Um, yeah, well, that's fantastic. Um, I think gang might be it because they do function like a mafia. Mm-hmm. Oh, okay. Well, Futch might have won it then. Well, this has been wonderful, Jay. Thank you so much for coming on. And thank always my pleasure. You jumped right over from your stream over to here, which means I'm going to have to go back and watch your stream now. Um, a very good one. Um, Michael Yeadon spoke with CHD and uh, he succinctly summarized what Matt and I and you and others have been coming to over the past few months. I think it's a really, um, in a lot of ways, it's a very hopeful conversation, but he is actually pessimistic about the toxicity of the shot and their aggressive rollout of it going forward. But overall, I think it's a worthy video. And then if I can plug quick at 330 Matthew Crawford, I'm sorry, not Matthew Crawford. Um, Mark Husatonic uh, is uh, premiering on YouTube an interview with Mark Bailey. Three thirty um, Eastern. Three thirty Eastern. Yep. One hour from now. One hour Great. from now. Yep. Okay. Well, we're all gonna have to jump off, get some lunch, go to the bathroom, and then get okay. ready to sit down and watch one, that. One, one more thing, Liam. Are we doing? Uh, somebody invited us onto a Twitter space. I haven't heard anything more than their suggestion. Uh, I, so okay. I wouldn't say we have to do anything. Yeah. Okay. Okay. That's probably better for today. I've got a whole lot to do. I took three days off a long weekend. So today's going to be a massive, like it's going to be one of those 16 hour catch up days. So it's, it's probably good that I don't go in there. Yeah. And to those running that space, if it is happening, um, hello, and thank you for the invitation. <laughs> and we'll, uh, we'll definitely take you up on it uh, on a future one, because as Matthew and, uh, and Jay uh, have been saying, like this, this discussion uh, needs to continue to be had um, and in as many forums as possible. So um, 
yeah. So let's let's wrap up there. Uh, any final words, gentlemen? No, I don't think so. I'm going to Thank the everybody. I'm going to the Broken Science Initiative meeting this weekend in um, Arizona. Um, oh, a, I nearly booked a ticket. It's a really exciting uh, thing. Um, so I'm 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 looking forward to this weekend. I'll be offline on Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday, but I'll be busy trying to network in real life. So that's exciting. That oh, God, somebody recommended that to me, but like like five days ago, and I looked for uh, a possible way to go, but it was, it was you know so so close to the time it was going to be hard to do it quickly. There's going to be another one in April, I think, already. So um, I'll let you know when I know what's in, happening. In what city? Um, it'll probably be in California again, but it's either Scottsdale or in um, near San Francisco because those are the two places where Greg lives. Okay, well, give me a report on that. Uh, I will. I definitely will. I'm excited. Thank you, guys. Thank Thanks for joining you. Us, thank you, everybody, for, for coming and joining us. Yes, thank you to everybody on the Locals chat. This was, in fact, I think, actually the largest live stream we've ever done, believe it or not. And big part of that will be thanks to Jay and also Miss um, Weasel, who uh, specifically said on Locals that she had directed people in the uh, Giga Ohm Biological chat to come over here. So look at that. We're joining communities. We're expanding a global community of free thinkers. And... Um, yeah, we really appreciate everybody. Uh, if you have not yet joined up to our roundingtheearth.locals.com community, then I highly encourage you to do so. You can become a free member, which allows you to stay in touch and, and keep in the loop uh, uh, on everything we're doing. And you can also become a supporting member, uh, pay as little as $5 a month um, to gain access to our exclusive weekly live streams that we keep behind closed doors. And um, yeah, we're uh, we're having a lot of fun figuring out the locals platform, live stream beta testing their new uh, platform that they're trying to get rolled out. And um, we really appreciate their hospitality and support so far. That's enough plugs for the day. Thank you all for watching and we will see you again tomorrow. Mm -hmm.